when were the... What schools... Who decides what the next... Where's that story? Why they keep the loop? What is this? It's Curious City. Where WBEZ answers your questions about Chicago, the region, and its people. I'm Shannon Heffernan, a reporter at WBEZ. This week I'm answering the question, what happens when you flush the toilet in Chicago? If it sounds like a question a five-year-old would ask, well, that's because it is. When did we start thinking about that? Kind of around the time when you were first learning how to use the potty, I think. That's Emily Hendel. Her daughter Satchel was a little shy when she first met us and occupied coloring. She thought maybe all the poop went to a big tank somewhere in their house. Where do you think the tank might be? In the basement. Now, before you tune out and think, I know this one, I'm no five-year-old, I want you to stop and think. Do you really? Because it's actually kind of important. Ever since humans settled in big cities, it's been a problem we had to face. Where do we put the poop? Because if you don't deal with it, people are going to get sick. And dealing with millions and millions of gallons of poo, it's a complicated task. So today, we walk you and Emily and Satchel through the highlights of what happens after you flush. You'll hear them react to what we learned starting from their house. Could you maybe show us where your toilet is? Could we start with with that and we can look at the pipes and and maybe try to start tracking it from that spot? Mm Mm-hmm, just a minute. So see that when you flush it, it goes down here, it goes into the pipes. But come with me and we'll show you where that goes after that. All that water flows out and it goes to pipes that run down the middle of the street. Those pipes go to one of seven different sewage plants run by the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. One of those plants, Stickney, is just southwest of the city. I talked to Reed Drink, the head of operations at Stickney. If he needs to, he can process a million gallons of sewage in a minute. So I can do it in a minute what an average size treatment plant does in a day. He says his plant takes up 400 acres, the size of 302 football fields. It's the biggest sewage plant in the world. We are number one in the number two business. (laughs) Number two. (laughs) Egg poop is number two and pee is number one. (laughs) Once the sewage gets to the plant, the first step is to go through the coarse screens. The screens are there to stop really big things from getting into the sewage plant, like branches or pieces of concrete. Remember, it's not just what we flush that ends up in the plant. It's rainwater and all the stuff that washes off the streets and into the sewers. Redring says they've found all kinds of things. Fish, turtles. How did turtles get in there? They're so like, this big. A bowling ball. We had a bowling ball come in. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Well, our sewer crew found a prosthetic leg. We've seen money. Whenever there's a storm, a lot of guys like to work near the course screens because money comes up on the conveyors. The next step is pretty simple, the settling tanks. And here things, well, settle. Solids sink to the bottom. Fats and oils float to the top. Big scrapers come along and take both away to a landfill. The clean water in the middle flows into a big tank. Bigger than the Willis Tower? Maybe not as big as the Willis Tower, but as big as your house. What? Whoa. Yeah. It doesn't look like much is happening in this big tank, but there is a whole world of microorganisms below the surface. The woman who looks at the microorganisms is Tony Glymph Martin. 
She calls these microorganisms bugs. And a lot of people ask us, where do we get the bugs from? Well, when you flush the toilet, when it rains, all of that brings in this millions and millions of microorganisms to the treatment system. But what we do here is we provide an environment for a particular type of microorganism. Remember, sewage can make us sick. It's full of all kinds of nasty stuff like bacteria and viruses. But not all microorganisms are bad for us. In fact, most of the bugs in this tank eat the stuff that can hurt us. And it's Glymph Martin's job to keep the helpful ones happy. She spends her day counting, literally one by one, the different types of bugs. Look, because we have a little counter here. So you can go, this is amoebas, flagellates, free swimmers, crawlers. This gives her clues, tells her if they need to make adjustments to keep the microorganisms in balance. She gave us a video of one of her favorites. This one's called a water bear. What? Yeah. It's kind of cute, right? A little snout. <laughs> and so when she sees these guys in the water, she's like, okay, our water is doing okay. They're a good indicator to have in the system because they're very sensitive to ammonia and toxicity. And so if we see them thriving in the system, then it means that the water is relatively clean. So after all the microorganisms have removed most of the bad stuff, the water is sent to the river system. But there's still some stuff left over, solids. We are going to skip a few steps here. Basically, what you need to know is that solids get dried out and go through another round of microorganisms. Eventually, one of the places the solids can end up is in a compost pile. Compost? Compost. Do you have a compo- compost bin? You do. And what happens to your yes. compost bin? What do you know about compost? It gets stinky. <laughs> Sometimes it gets stinky. Compost gets stinky at the stickney plant, too. I learned this during a tour with soil scientist Lockvinder Handel. He shows me gigantic, I mean gigantic, piles of compost. Oh, yeah, it's like a spectrum of stink here. Right. The farther I go along, the more right. stink. Yeah, because it's early in the process. The faraway piles are newer and smellier. Nearby, the piles have been sitting for months. As I sit, they get hot, and it kills off some of the harmful stuff. The result is a super rich compost called biosolids. There's actually this big, beautiful greenhouse right in the middle of the sewage plant. It's full of orchids and lush grass. Here, Handel tests how well the plants do in biosolids. Nature is the best way of recycling everything. You can see here we are growing uh, some spinach. Biosolids from Chicago are already being spread on golf courses and parks. In fact, one day, the district says Chicagoans might be able to buy it for their gardens. The district says the biggest challenge to selling biosolids will be the ick factor. No one wants to think about poop when they smell their garden flowers. But if someone isn't thinking about it, taking care of the pipes and the tanks, the microbes, the compost, then the rest of us wouldn't be able to flush and forget. Satchel, next time you poop, I want you to think about this, okay? (laughs) If you want to learn more about poop, we have a fantastic interactive about it. And on Monday, March 23rd, we'll have a live event for kids and adults all about poop. You can find the animation and the event details at wbez.org slash Curious City. Reporting this week came from me, Shannon Heffernan. Curious City was founded by Jennifer Brandau, WBEZ, AIR, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support comes from the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism. Curious City on WBEZ is supported by New Belgium Brewing. Interested in learning a new craft or skill? New Belgium has teamed up with Good Beer Hunting for the Slow Ride Sessions. 
opportunities crafted to learn how to do more and consume less. On March 24th, Slow Ride Sessions head to the Rebuilding Exchange's Reclaim Building Materials Warehouse for a woodworking Make It, Take It class. In this session, attendees build six-pack carriers with the Rebuilding Exchange's reclaimed lumber. All materials and instruction provided, plus a six-pack of Slow Ride Session IPA and RX-made reclaimed opener for your hard work. All proceeds benefit the Rebuilding Exchange. More at goodbeerhunting.com slash slow ride. Coming up on WBEZ's Curious City, we chart the infamous stop and go. And if you get on the expressway like around about 3.30, it's bad. If you're getting on after 6 o'clock in the morning, it's bad. Why traffic sucks. Next time on WBEZ's Curious City.